Well, it's a privilege to be back with you guys. I mean that sincerely. Thank you for letting me come back. It's uh, not normal. So, uh, <laughs> guys, I am excited about the fact that you guys are doing this series, to be quite frank with you, because it's so important, and I'm hoping that I can reinforce the importance of where you're heading. And so, uh, I just got back from uh, uh, two and a half weeks in Hawaii. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we spoke over 40 times. Spoke in home studies, spoke in for the Calvary chapels that are over there. Um, we, did a, we did a youth conference, we did a creation conference. It was unbelievable. Pray for, pray for them over there because yes, we think, oh yeah, that's a boondoggle, man. He's going over to Hawaii and doing ministry. Um, <laughs> Hawaii is a visual paradise, but it's a spiritual desert. And their government is out of control right now. And so they need the prayers. The body over there, they invited us. We're like, you got to come. We want hope. And so we went. By the way, one of your former members uh, is there. His name is David Tautofi. You guys remember David? David's a dear friend of mine, and uh, you need to pray for him. He is just getting over COVID, blood clots in the lungs, spitting blood. Um, the whole works, right? And so uh, please lift him up. He's going through some challenges. Uh, dear friend, I mean, dear, dear man of God. So please, if you remember, please pray for David. Uh, one of the places that I get to go to in Hawaii is a, a place called Molokai. You guys ever hear Molokai? I'd never heard of Molokai. Uh, first time I went there was amazing. I would, I, would, I would set everything up, and the worship team came in and warmed up. So I walked out the front door of uh, Molokai Baptist, and I took this picture. And... Uh, yeah, beautiful. And I walked back in and I showed it to my wife and my assistant and her husband. And my assistant looked at that picture and said, what a great picture of the cross. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't see the cross when I took the picture, man. My focus had been on the rainbow. That same year, I went to Saskatoon, Canada. Have you ever heard of Saskatoon, Canada? I had never heard of Saskatoon, Canada. I'm not going to lie to you. But I got there, it was amazing ministry, but when I got back from the ministry, I'm watching the news one night, and there's a police car chase in Saskatoon, Canada on the news. I'm like, I know where that is. You guys remember seeing that on the news? The police car chase? It was big news. I got, I got, I got a copy of it. You got to see this. It's great. It's great. You, go, you guys don't remember seeing that on CNN? Yeah, that's fake news. Uh, <laughs> no, it's actually a Canadian Midas Tire commercial, okay? Now, there's a reason that I show those to you, because number one, first one, police officer's job, they need our prayers, right? Can I get an amen on that? They need our, they need our support. We're living in crazy time. They need our prayers. They need our support. So I'm not trying to diminish in any way, shape, or form, but their job is straightforward, protect and serve. Bad guy stuck six foot in front of you, tire spinning. Dude, that's an easy day at the office. You're under arrest, right? I mean, but what did he do? He got out and he pushed his car, right? Sometimes you make things that are simple a whole lot more difficult than they need to be. Second example is this, right? Um, you got this, uh, <laughs> you got this right here, and I'm like, I can't believe this. It's simple, it's straightforward. We make it more difficult than it needs to be, but why? 
I'm like, why do we do that? And so I'm, I'm thinking that I can take that approach with this. Things can be right there in front of us, and then we can make them difficult. So here we go. Let's take on a tough topic. I was privileged to be able to do this. It's like, uh, Carl, come on, man. We live in a world that they say Noah's flood. You can't believe in that. There's no evidence for that. It's, that's, that's a fairy tale. That's a fable. You guys are studying Genesis. Genesis is an old, outdated book. It's filled with fairy tales and fables. It's got all these mistakes and errors in it. How could you trust that book? By the way, if you can't trust Genesis, why should I trust John? Right? I mean, I got people telling me this all the time. I'm a New Testament Christian. What in the world does that mean? Every one of those doctrines in John is predicated on that history that's in Genesis. And if that history in Genesis isn't true, then why do I trust John? You see, we got to understand that the battle lines have been drawn, and one of the major battles is over the authority of the Word of God. So I'm starting this out, and by the way, I'm not even looking at the clock this time. Last time I was on the clock. Forget about it this time, bro. If you all got to eat, you go eat, okay? I'm used to people walking out on me, all right? So... Uh, we're going to deal with this one this time. We have to address this question, fact, fact or fantasy. I'm a big one on word terms, okay? I, I, I like to know the meanings of words because you know you can use the same words and have totally different meanings. You know that, right? Okay, illustration. I got saved in Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah, anybody got any concerns? You know there's a lot of people that say Jesus that don't mean the same Jesus, right? We can use the same term and have two totally different meanings, so I'm a big one on Definitions. Fantasy, imagination, especially when extravagant and unrestrained. What's a fact? Well, let's go to the dictionary. Something known to exist or to have happened. Is there any way to figure out if something actually happened? Let's say Noah's flood. Would there be any way to show that that actually happened? Anybody? Anybody? Yes, sir. What do you got? Okay. You know what you'd need to look for? Evidence right? So let's look at the evidence. Now, first of all, I got to make these pointers to you. Evidence does not speak for itself. Well, the evidence speaks. No, it doesn't. Evidence just sits there. Evidence is interpreted, all right? And the worldview impacts the interpretation. I'll illustrate that for you like this. I'm a big one for illustrations, okay? Deal with it. Christian, non-Christian, do we have the same stars? Hello? Oh, okay, good. Uh, do we have the same rocks? Do we have the same people? then why do we explain all of these things so differently? It's the same evidence. It's the worldview that impacts the interpretation. We don't have an evidence problem. We got the same evidence. So think about it. Christian who says that God created the way that he said that he did, his word is true. They look at this world, they're going to understand it completely and totally differently than somebody who says there is no God, given enough time, right circumstances, all these things just happened. So that's what we need to do. I'll give you another illustration. What is that? It's a toy Volkswagen sitting under a cover. What shape is that cover? Well, it's a curved cover. Is it? Because now let me take away the thing that's blocking the top part there, and I'll... What? Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're saying, Carl, that's, not, that's just another picture. That's not really a mirror. No, it's a real mirror. I'll prove it to you by... We'll take that bottom thing, we'll rotate it, and I want you to watch what happens to the cover. When you look at it from one perspective, does it not look like it's rounded? But is it rounded? This younger generation, 50 to 88% of them raised in the church are gone by the time they're age 18. Hear my heart. 50 to 88% of the younger generation raised in the church are gone by the time they're age 18. 
They spend 900 hours a year, that's the average, in a school. 80 to 85% of the Christian homes send their children to the government schools to be trained by the world, to think like the world, then we wonder why they go to the world. I'm just saying. Do you understand why your Christian school over here is so important? Do you understand? So, in that 900 hours a year, they're taught a history of astronomy, biology, geology, anthropology that totally undermines the Word of God. It's reinforced with 1,064 hours of TV. That's the numbers. By the way, TV's coming down because this other number's going up. Uh, video games, 936 hours a year. Guys, they are being taught to look at the world from a very specific perspective and it's having an impact. And we got to be aware of that. What we need to do is get down, take that evidence and look at it for ourselves if you really want to come up with an answer. And so that's what I'm going to attempt to do this morning. We're going to take a look at evidence, but then why we need to look at the evidence. Okay, so here we go. We're going to start off in the Word of God because best place to start. We're in Genesis. In Genesis, we read this. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, uh, by the way, somebody tells you that Genesis is written as, as like fairy tale fable. Hello, do you know how fairy tale and fable starts off? In a land far, far away, a long time ago. Bro, this is like specific. We're talking the sixth, second month, 17th day. This is written as historical narrative. Jesus Christ took Genesis' as historical narrative, and I'll prove it to you. Jesus Christ quoted Genesis 25 times, and every time he quoted it, he quoted it as real history. If I'm a Christian, which means I'm a Christ follower, if Christ can take it as real history, why can't I? So we see that the great deep uh, burst forth and the windows of the heavens were open. So you had this underwater... Uh, geysers shooting up and then the rain coming down. You had a global flood because as you continue on and you read in verses 17 or 19 to 20, I'm sorry, what do you read? The, the highest mountains were covered. And when you read the cubit thing, that's about 45 minimum, 45 feet of water. So God just tells us that a lot of water came on this earth, covered the entire earth, global flood. And by the way, where did the water come from, Carl? How'd you get all the different water? Guess what? Subterranean water to this day. There's more subterranean water to this day than there's water on the surface of the planet, and 75% of this planet is covered in water. There's plenty of water for a global flood. Don't let somebody dupe you into thinking that that's impossible. And by the way, take the tallest mountains, lower them. Take the deepest sea valleys, raise them. There's enough water on the surface of this planet to cover the entire earth to two miles in depth in water, okay? That's the facts. Don't be, de don't be deceived by these guys that are mocking the word. And here it goes. It says this, and all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth, and all mankind. Everything on the dry land and whose nostrils was the breath of life died. So very specific animals were killed. Land-dwelling, air-breathing animals, if they weren't on the boat, they died. If this happened, global flood, rapid burial, rapid deposition, rapid fossilization, should I be able to see evidence for it? Yeah, I think you can. So that's what we're going to do. Is there evidence for global flood? By the way, the evidence that I'm going to give to you, am I trying to prove the Bible to you? No, can't do it. Evidence is always interpreted. So here's the bottom line, though. What I see in the world, is it consistent with what I read in the Word, or does it contradict it? You get to make that decision because that's not my job. I don't argue you into the kingdom. God told me, tells you to give an answer, that word answer, logical, rational explanation why you believe what you say you believe, and answer for the reason for the hope that lies within you with meekness and fear. You let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit's going to do, but you give an answer why you believe. So here we go. 
Rapid deposition, global deposition. If there's evidence for that, that would absolutely be consistent with what the Word of God says and not with, the word, with what the world teaches. So, is there evidence for rapid deposition? Yeah. Let me introduce you to an ichthyosaur. Have you ever heard of an ichthyosaur before? This is the time that I'm so happy that you don't have somebody doing the sign language thing. I always feel bad for these folks that are doing that. It's like, it's a, it's a great ministry. It's an amazing ministry. But can you imagine? <laughs> it was a dolphin with teeth, but it was a reptile. Very unique animal. So what could we learn from an ichthyosaur about rapid fossilization, rapid deposition? You know, do you know what I mean by that word? Deposits, you know, uh, slow gradual pro processes, particles fall down out of the water and they build up the layers on the bottom of the lake, on the bottom of the ocean. That's deposition. So what could we learn? Well, this is the evidence that was found. It's a skull. Big deal. No, it's a very big deal. Here's the facts about it. It is an ichthyosaur skull. It's 15 inches long and is preserved in three dimensions. So you can pick it up and rotate it around. Pretty cool. Not slow gradual process is important that. Why? Because it's also, one more piece, enclosed in three geologic layers. Now remember, particles fall down, layers build up. So now you have a vertical skull with three different geologic layers built up against it. So the question is pretty simple. If this is slow gradual processes of the particles falling down, the layers building up, how in the world, by the way, that is called polystrate. Just hang on to that term because polystrate fossils, okay? Poly, multiple, straight, strata. That's all, multiple strata, okay? If this actually happened, this slow gradual process, how do you get a vertical skull buried in horizontal layers? Well, you know, the best way that I know how to deal with it is let them explain it. I read the report. Ichthyosaur swimming along. Ichthyosaur dies. Ichthyosaur does a kamikaze nosedive and embeds itself in 15 inches of dirt the body's exposed, so it rots away and all those bones go away, but then slowly, gradually, over long periods of time, you get the skull that fossilizes. Okay, uh, nobody have a problem with that? I'm not like seeing skeptical looks here. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it makes sense. You kidding me? You got a kamikaze nosedive embedding itself in 15 inches of mud? Oh, by the way, there's a problem. It couldn't have been mud. Because according to the evolutionary model, which we need to know better than the world, that 15 inches represents one million years of time. You think it's still going to be mud after a million years? Bro, you need a jackhammer to jack it out so you can get yourself down inside there. This speaks of this thing got buried quickly standing vertically. That's rapid deposition. By the way, some more evidence for rapid deposition. Stick with the ichthyosaur uh, theme. Uh, you can see this when you go to a London Museum of Natural History. And come with me. I love to lead tours through the museums. This is a great one. And you're like, okay. <laughs> I don't get it, man. Okay. Um, ladies, you're going to love me on this one. You, do, you, do you see that? Here, let me zoom in on it. Do you, do you see that right there? This is a female ichthyosaur in the process of giving birth. You think that's slow and gradual? Ladies, trust me, you do not want the birth process taking millions of years. Am I right? <laughs> this is evidence of rapid, catastrophic occurrences, not slow, gradual. One more, one more. Uh, poor boy didn't get to swallow dinner. You think that's slow? How do you explain these things, Carl? Thank you for asking. Here's how it works. 
You get a little fish and it's swimming along. Then you get a big fish. Big fish sees little fish. Big fish says, hey, it's dinner. Big fish bites little fish. He doesn't get to swallow it all the way. He gets covered up with dirt. And then over time, it turns into a fossil. It does not take millions of years to make a fossil, by the way. It takes the right conditions. There you go. That's rapid. That's catastrophic. And by the way, there's even evidence that some fish even got to swallow dinner, but they didn't get to digest it. Yeah, that's not slow, gradual, guys. That's rapid, catastrophic. As a matter of fact, anybody in here ever heard the claim that the fossils prove evolution? The fossil record proves evolution. Anybody ever hear that claim? Oh, wow, more of you in this one than the last one. Okay, um, let me answer that claim for you, but in a different way. Have any of you ever seen any of our debunked videos? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, they're obviously very popular. I got three hands here. Okay. Uh, put your seatbelt on. You think I speak quickly? I've actually slowed it down because I got a little bit more time in this session. Um, but yes, I do speak quickly for a very specific reason. I'm going after a generation that has a 2.2 second attention span. This is what the scientific research shows. Younger generation, 2.2 second attention span. So if you think I can get up in front of them, today we're done. <laughs> They're gone. Squirrel. You're right. It's gone. And you're not getting them back. So you better believe I'm coming at them, rapid fire, it's like, it's like a boxing match, stick and move, stick and move, right? So uh, we're going to address this claim using a debunked video, and debunked videos are created for specifically the 2.2 second attention span group, which by the way, is less than supposedly a goldfish. A goldfish supposedly has a three second attention span. I'm like, how'd you like to be the scientist trying to figure that one out? Okay, these are goldfish, here's your stopwatch. Figure out how long they can pay attention. On what? A bubble? <laughs> anyway, so let's go and deal with the fossil record proves evolution. Put your seatbelt on. Here we go. We've unearthed millions of fossils around the world, so with all this evidence, so to speak, it's clear that the fossil record proves evolution, right? Well, actually, no. Didn't when Darwin was alive, and hasn't since he's been gone. In fact, Chucky e. D himself knew this when he wrote the following. Geology assuredly does not reveal any such finely graduated organic chain, and this, perhaps, is the most obvious and gravest objection which can be urged against my theory. The explanation lies, as I believe, in the extreme imperfection of the geological record. Okay, but surely after all the time since Darwin, digging and discovering fossil after fossil, we have a more perfect geological record that supports evolution, right? Not even close, bud. Listen to how two renowned evolutionary biologists summarize the truth. Instead of finding the slow, smooth, and progressive changes, they saw in the fossil record rapid bursts of change, new species appearing seemingly out of nowhere and then remaining unchanged for millions of years, patterns hauntingly reminiscent of creation. The fossil record doesn't show gradual change, and every paleontologist has known that ever since Cuvier, or however you pronounce that. Okay, I could go on and on, but there's always going to be opposing views because on both sides of the debate, the same evidence is interpreted through different worldviews. You gotta remember that, people. Facts don't say anything. People say things based on their interpretation of facts influenced by their worldview. But that's a whole other subject, and I don't want to get into it right now. Instead, hey, let's have a little fun and take a look at some popular secular articles and charts on the fossil record and see if we can learn to separate facts from interpretation of facts by asking a few simple questions. Question one, did the artiste take any artistic license with what I'm looking at here? Check this out because this happens all the time. Look, isn't that sweet? 
so cute and fluffy. Okay, why do you think the artist made these creatures appear more human-like by throwing in an affectionate smile and depicting them hanging out like a human family going to a picnic or something? Why did he draw them walking upright? Why make the shapes and colors of their eyes more human than ape? Is any of it based on actual fossil evidence? Of course not. But if you want the story of evolution to appear more convincing, you just might fill in missing gaps with your presuppositional imagination. Just saying. <laughs> Question two, is the attention-grabbing headliner title supported by actual facts? For instance, take a look at this popular book called Why Evolution is True. We don't even have to go any further than the jacket on this one because on it you got a dino evolving into a bird in three simple steps. There you go. But then on the inside, this is written, and I kid you not. The jacket depicts a chronological sequence of fossils showing the evolution of birds. We do not know whether the actual line of descent included, now wait for it, the first three. Say what now? Doesn't that mean these three shouldn't be on the cover then? Which means all you got is a modern bird, right? No evolution, just a bird. Talk about worldview filling in gaps. On to question three. What do the graphics on evolutionary charts indicate? I mean, they sure do look convincing. For instance, on this one from the dinosaur book, you got solid red columns and white columns showing gradual progression over time. But let's read the almost imperceptible two-point font over here. It reads, tinted areas indicate solid fossil evidence, which means the white areas represent no solid fossil evidence, right? Okay, then take them away. Uh-oh, looks like patterns hauntingly reminiscent of creation, I'd say, right from their own charts. And the same thing goes for the dotted lines on this one. Look at all of them. Just so we're clear, dotted lines indicate zero evidence. Remove them and what do you get? No transitional forms or evidence of gradual progression. A bat is a bat, a kangaroo is a kangaroo, and a horse is a horse. Of course, of course, unless of course the horse is Mr. Ed. Look, people, all I'm saying here is if you got facts, put them in there. If you don't, leave them out. But don't draw downright dubious daft, dare I declare, dunderheaded dotted lines of deliberate deception dogmatically and dastardly doodle to disguise definitive data. No. Just admit what you actually see, overwhelming evidence of living things, according to their kinds, suddenly appearing, which, as a reminder, is exactly what the Bible teaches. Now, I don't even have time to get into TV, movies, and documentaries. All I ask is that you use the same line of questioning when you watch them. And in summary, we agree with Mr. D. Geology surely does not reveal any such finely graduated organic chain. Not then, not now, not ever. And that means the whole idea that the fossil record proves evolution has been debunked. Adios. So, I know way too much information way too quickly, intentionally so. So let me ask you a question. Was it done well enough that you would watch it again to try to glean a little more information? Anybody? Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Um, was it done well enough that today when you're having a conversation with your friend and they say, well, come on, everybody knows the fossil record proves evolution, you'd say, hey, I got a video, can I show it to you and let's talk about it. You'd be willing to show it and not be embarrassed. Anybody? Yeah. Oh, okay. If I give it to you for free, would you take it? Yeah. Ah. Free is the keyword. Okay. All right. Here's how you get it. Take your smartphone out. It's okay. Your iPad, whatever device you got, bring it out. I have a special dispensation. You need to go to your messaging software. Now, you iPhone folk, I get it. That's what it looks like. You Android folk, can't help you. <laughs> Ain't got a clue. So you hit that message thing, and it takes you to this thing. And in the top right-hand corner, you got a pencil and a piece of paper thing. You hit that thing, it takes you to this thing. And at the top... You're going to send a message to 51555. So the recipient is 51555. And the message simply reads, adios, and please don't put a U in adios. It's A-D-I-O-S. People misspelling adios. A-D-I-O-S, space, hit the space bar. 
Then CCLV, hello, hello. Anybody wonder what that stands for? <laughs> when you hit send on that, so 51555, audio, space, CCLV, you're going to get an immediate response back that has a link. And when you hit that link, you fill in the form and submit that form. You become a debunk defender. In the future, you get all the debunk videos before we release them. We send them to you before we release them to the general public because we want you to have something that you can use something with. Our latest one, number 20, is God doesn't love you. We created it specifically for the pandemic craziness that's going on right now. It is powerful. We've just, this is a side note, bunny trail. Um, we hired a 20-something-year-old who understands uh, social media and that kind of a thing. She put her stuff up on TikTok a week ago. Do you have any idea how many views on Nobody Loves You, Debunked, has had in one week on TikTok? Everybody told me, don't go to TikTok, Carl. That's bad stuff there. I agree. I couldn't go there if I wanted to. I couldn't figure it out, right? 20-year-old <laughs> puts it up. 30,000 views. And you can't believe the comments. You can't believe the comments. List of comments, two that were negative. Guys, we got a generation that's hungry. They want answers. So we're there. All of them are up there. But you get that, and uh, uh, you'll have all that. It'll send you a link to get all the debunk for free. And when you go to that site, uh, after you fill that out and submit that form, you're going to go uh, have a link that also will have free booklets dealing with the ARC, Noah's ARC, more information on that, uh, ideas on how to share your faith without feeling like a goof. There's a lot of information up there free of charge. And while you got your smartphone out, go over to your app store. It's okay. Go ahead. Go to your app store. And then type in reasons, plural, for, F-O-R, hope. And when you download the app, which is free of charge, just look for the blue asterisk on the black background. You're going to have the app. And on the app, everything that we've ever produced is in the process of being uploaded there free of charge. Guys, put it to use. And by the way, by the way, it's not totally free. There is a cost. Cost number one. Pray for us, because we are trying to produce, I want to produce at least one a month of the debunk videos, okay? That's my goal. Number two, use it. It's no good sitting somewhere, man. So put it to use, but these are some of the booklets. It's the God of the Old Testament, a moral monster, Noah's Ark, and it's all free. So please put it to use. But any, oh, by the way, here's another prayer thing. Next month, we're releasing uh, our 28 questions that the campers ask us. When I go to camps, I hand out index cards day one. What are the questions that are keeping you from selling out for the Lord Jesus Christ? Turn it in. That's what we're going to deal with this week, right? 28 of them. So the title is, Did Jesus Commit Suicide? That's a literal question that the young person brought up to me. Because, hey, you said suicide's a sin. Well, Jesus committed suicide. Eh, not so quick. <laughs> so we address that type of a thing. So pray for us because this thing comes out next month. But anyway, all that rapid fossilization, rapid deposition, that's what it supports is rapid deposition. But what about global deposition? Is there evidence to support that? And I would say, yes, there is. And let me just give it to you. You make the informed decision. This is a whale fossil, all right? Big deal, whale fossil. It is a big deal because it's found in Egypt. Egypt is not like famous for its like uh, ocean life. <laughs> this is a desert. So even that desert at one time was underwater. And how about this? Let's go to another whale fossil that's found in Chile. Not the soup, the, you know. <laughs> Somebody got it. Thank you. Thank you. One person got it. I, this is fresh material. It really is. I mean, this is 1,280 feet above sea level, guys. 
So even, oh, by the way, do you know where the best whale fossils are on this planet are found? Uh, mountains of Peru, Chile, um, Pakistan. It's deserts. So even the deserts that we see on our planet, even at the highest mountains, was underwater. Let me show you how high I mean. Uh, this is a nautiloid, okay? Pretty cool creature. Well, they find fossil nautiloid, and this is a fossil nautiloid, and guess where these fossils were found? You can't believe in a global flood. How ridiculous. How can you teach there was a global flood? These are found on Mount Everest. Mount Everest. So even Mount Everest was underwater at one time. These were first found in 1924, uh, but now in 1997, a uh, professor, this is kind of a neat one, man, uh, Harutaka Sakai-san, he went up and he brought back fossils from 18 feet below the summit on Mount Everest, and the fossils showed brachiopods, crinoids, and trilobites. Now you're like, what are those? Trilobites are way cool. Don't let anybody ever tell you that, oh, the fossil record shows a simple thing that over time got gradually more complex. Are you kidding me? Trilobites are crazy complex. Anybody ever gone snorkeling, spearfishing, and you shot yourself a fish and you think you got a monster and you get up and it's like this big? Because when you're underwater, your eyes aren't built for underwater. Everything is bigger than what... Their eyes were perfectly designed to be underwater, guys. These are found on Mount Everest. And the crinoids, oh, here's a neat thing. They're still alive today. They're still here. So guess what? The fossil record shows what? Rapid deposition and that fossils aren't millions of years old because things you see in the fossil record that they date millions of years old are still here today and haven't changed. Now, there are things in the fossil record that aren't here, but that's because sin has destroyed the world that we live in. But global deposition, yeah, there's evidence. Rapid deposition, yes, there is. But wait, there's more. <laughs> you, guys, you guys remember Billy May? And everybody's like, but wait, he didn't do that. That is actually from Ron Popeil. He's the guy that started that. So that's your nugget for today, okay? <laughs> ADD, they didn't know what it was when I was a kid. If they did, they would have, man, they would not have given me medication. I would have walked around life with an IV drip and a hospital stand. I mean, I was like, two, squirrel, gone. Um, but I thought that was cool, right? Okay, anyway. Is there evidence for global deposition as well as rapid deposition at the same time? Thank you for asking. Yes, there is. The very first thing that I got to work on as a brand new Christian who got exposed to creation, who didn't trust the creationists and didn't trust the evolutionists because I had gotten saved two years prior and my first Sunday school teacher taught me, you take evolution, put it in the Bible, God used it, God directed it. And that's what I believed. And then somebody corrected me and I'm like, now who's telling me the truth? And now uh, I'm going to go study for myself now. I got involved in research on something called the Lompoc whale. The Lompoc whale was, uh, the creationist said, was a whale 75 to 90 feet long, the largest baleen whale ever discovered in a fossil record. And it was found vertically in the horizontal layers. What's that called again? Polystrate, right? Hey, 75, 90 feet of deposition, that proves what? Rapid deposition, because, I mean, 75 to 90 feet, man, you had to build up. How'd that well stand there for a million years? For a... I go do the research. I call Los Angeles, Los Angeles Museum of Natural History, blind, just call. Hey, I heard about this fossil, and I'm trying to get information. Ah, oh, send me back to the back. Lawrence Barnes, Dr. Lawrence Barnes picks up the phone. He's the guy who uh, excavated it. And I'm like, okay, this is what I heard. You've been lied to. It was not buried on his tail. Here's what actually happened. It was a whale that died, was on the bottom of the ocean floor, got covered up slowly, gradually, and then after it fossilized, there was an uplift 
and it turned it 60 degrees. So it looks like it's on its tail, but it didn't stand on its tail for all those layers to come up around it. So the creationist lied to me. So I kept doing some research, and here's what I found. When you read about this thing, if you want to go do some research, it's fun. Uh, it was found in a single diatomaceous deposit. Now, if you're anything like me, six to 10 foot thick, single diatomaceous deposit, you're like, what is diatomaceous deposit, okay? I had to look it up. Well, it's a deposit made by diatoms. And you're like, okay, what's a diatom? This is the process that I did, right? Uh, a diatom is amazing. Matter of fact, it's a uh, photosynthesizing unicellular algae. Take a breath. Breathe in. Exhale. Take another breath. Exhale. One of those two breaths is because of that thing right there. Not because of the plants, not because of the trees, because of this thing right here. Without it, you do not have life on this planet the way that we see it. Every second breath is because of this thing right here. And they're small, they're tiny. Take a hair. This is a human hair under an electron microscope. You could put four diatoms across a single hair, all right? They're tiny, and they're jewels. They look like tiny jewels. They come in all kinds of shapes and patterns. But what happens is, is that when you've got a lot of food, like there's a storm or uh, and waters wash the land and take minerals and mineral content into the ocean, you get these algae blooms. And you can see them from space. You see all that blue stuff there? It looks like the you know, Caribbean. No, that's the algae bloom. Trillions of these things. But then what happens when all the food source goes away? They die. Hello. Not trying to be morbid, but that's what works, all right? And then when they die, those little shells fall to the bottom of the ocean, and they're called sea snow. And they build up on the bottom of the ocean at a very specific rate. Scientists have studied this, and they say now that one inch of diatomaceous deposit takes 1,000 years to build up. Guess what, Carl? There's a half a mile deposit of diatomaceous deposit on the bottom of the ocean. That proves millions of years. Not so quick. Just because that's the way that we see it happening today, does that mean that's the way that it's always happened? Because now, I take you back to the whale. The whale is buried in a single deposit, six to 10 feet. It didn't lay there for thousands and thousands of years for all this stuff to build up around it. It had to get covered right now, ten, six to 10 feet. That's quick. Just because we don't see it happening today doesn't mean that that is the way that it's always happened. Matter of fact, a friend of mine is a geologist, and he wrote this, the current uniformitarian slow and gradual model for diatomite deposition is not capable of explaining the fossilization of the Lompoc whale. Only a catastrophic model supports it. I had the privilege of going down uh, the Grand Canyon with this guy. Maybe you've seen him on uh, Is Genesis History. If you've not seen this, I would highly recommend it. It's probably the best video that I've seen on is Genesis history. I mean that sincerely. I don't get a dime out of it. I think it's phenomenal. Um, he took me down to a place that is amazing. There are fossils down there that are called nautiloid fossils. Remember our nautiloid? But it's not the nautiloids with the round ones. They're pointy. Let me put a, you can kind of see the lines. You see the lines pointing to the right? Let me put a, a, a darker area over there to cover that up. It's pointing that direction. These are nautiloids, the ancient nautiloids that aren't here anymore. They had long ice cream, coat uh, ice cream cone shape shells, and they were squid, all right? There's one layer at the base of the Redwall limestone that's seven feet thick, that there's a billion, yes, B, billion fossil nautiloid in just that seven feet layer that runs from the east of the Grand Canyon all the way to the west of the Grand Canyon. 
Oh, by the way, no, it goes even further. We're here in Las Vegas, am I right? Go south of Las Vegas, you'll find the exact same lair. 180 miles of a seven-foot lair that had to get laid down rapidly. You know why I say that? Because there's other fossil nautiloids, one out of seven, that are looking like this. You see it? It's a circle. It was standing vertically in the one to six foot long. You're telling me that that nautiloid stood there for thousands and thousands of years to get covered up with, by, the dia, by the sandstone? Guys, this is rapid. This is catastrophic. And by the way, I did say global, did I not? Well, how can you justify it's global? Because the red wall limestone, ever heard of it? It's the exact same sandstone that you'll see when you go to Petra in Jordan. It's the exact same sandstone. They, have a, they gave it a different name, but it's the same stuff. Matter of fact, it's not just the sandstone, coal. The coal beds that we dig in, Pennsylvania, it's the exact same layer that you find all across the continent, all across the globe. The chalk, you've seen the chalk shores in England, it's the same thing. You can see the coverage, all the, the, uh, uh, the uh, bluish stuff, it goes across the globe. These layers are found across the globe. That supports rapid and global deposition, so we're going to give them a double check mark. But what about this, rapid population? I'm going to sing through this a little bit because I'm going long here. Rapid population, humans. Carl, how could you get so many people if we just go back a few thousand years? Eight people go on a boat, now you got all these people. How'd you get all these people? I'm going to read a quote to you. Well, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to sing through it. Um, elephant has a 22-month gestational period. I said it wrong in the uh, first session. 22-month long gestational period, right? If you start with one pair of elephants, according to the guy that did the research, in 740, 750 years, you're going to have 19 million elephants, a elephant has the longest gestational period of any animal, right? What about humans? You know one thing that we do real well? Breed. <laughs> yeah, we do a good job of that. Humans, according to the evolutionary model, which I don't believe these days, I don't agree with them, but I just want you to see the problem. They say we've been here for at least 560,000 years, and some will say up to a million years. If man has been here for, let's just be generous, 500,000 years you got 19 million elephants in 750 years. Where are all the people? I mean, the same guy gave us this quote. Even slow-breeding man has doubled in 25 years, and at this rate, in less than 1,000 years, there would literally not be standing room for his progeny. We know exactly what you think rapid repopulation is a problem for the creationist. Oh, no. It's a problem for those who believe in long ages. Because think about it. 460 million people in the 1500s. How many people today? 7.6 billion. How many years is that? 521. You do the math. I'm not good at it. You went from 460 to 7.6 billion in 500 years, and you want me to believe that man's been here for 500,000 years? And so for 500,000 years, we had a flat line. We didn't grow in population at all. Then in 1500, boom, we exploded. I'm telling you that the evidence supports that we haven't been here that long. But that's something that you got to decide on. By the way, the guy that gave us that amazing quote, maybe you've heard of him. He even knew that rapid repopulation wasn't a problem for us, it was a problem for them. So that means that it's absolutely not just possible, but probable, because the other explanation doesn't work. So, but how about this one? Noah couldn't fit all the animals on a boat, Carl. I mean, come on, you couldn't do it. All right, I'm not going to answer that question for you because this is a part of your study this week. Your home study, if you're not in one, get in one, okay? And if you're not going to get in one because you're one of those guys, 
Do the study anyway. I know that they put it out there, make it available to you. Um, don't answer it with this picture. <laughs> We've done our children a disservice by showing them this picture. So this is the thing that they get in their mind about Noah's flood. Noah's flood was not a joke. It was a real event because a real concert had real consequences because of real decisions. All right, show them what it was actually like. And that's our bus, our debunk bus. We take it out. We do we man on the street training and that sort of a thing. And uh, we actually took it to the ark. And it doesn't do the ark justice there because it's so far in front of it. Let me show you a picture. I was, th I was there for the grand opening. Fly to Cincinnati. It's in northern Kentucky. 40-minute drive. Go down and check out the ark. Opening day. If you look at the base of it, to the right, 5,000 people. Yeah, can you see the people? This is a big boat, guys. <laughs> And that's a part of the key to understanding how could they fit all the animals on the boat. By the way, here's your assignment for this week in your study. Download the app or whatever you want to do. Go to the, the website, Reasons for Hope. Um, website is R-F-O-R-H. Stands for Reasons for Hope, R-F-O-R-H. Watch the video, and then you're going to answer these key questions. Because if you answer four of these questions, number five becomes very simple. Number one question is, how many animals were needed to get everything today? Did they have to take 10 billion species of animals on the wooden boat? You're going to have to go look up that. Uh, by the way, how big could those animals have been? And then, how big was the boat? And then the real question is, how many animals that size could fit on a boat that size? You answer those four questions, I'm telling you right now, the way that you answer question number five is going to be very different. So, that's going to be your homework assignment for your study. I'm not going to give you the answers. Again, we're on Apple TV, Roku TV. You can watch all the debunk videos on there or on the app, as well as debunk TV. Debunk TV is a 28-minute TV show that fleshes out the arguments used in the short video. They're there free of charge. I've got uh, 11 of them filmed right now. We're adding new ones to the app on a regular basis, so you can watch them there as well. So if you do that, I think you're going to change that statement to Noah could fit all the animals on the boat. Now, the evidence very clearly to me points that something happened. Global, catastrophic. But I know what some of you are thinking. So what? It's rocks, man. Who cares about rocks and fossils? I'm saying you should. And here's why you should. If God gave us a history that explains the geology that we see in the world around us, and he did, and it does, but we don't trust that history that he gave to us, and we don't. 50 to 88% of the younger generation raised in the church are gone by the time they're age 18, okay? Why should they stick around? Why are you studying Genesis? Because if you can't trust Genesis, why should you trust John? Seriously, all the doctrine in John is predicated on the history in Genesis, and if the history isn't true, then why is John true? You wonder why we're losing a generation? I'm going to suggest to you that it's because we're not teaching biblical authority, and I'm going to back it up with this right here. This is a study that was done by Fixed Point Foundation. I didn't have any, anything to do with it. Secular Student Alliance, SSA. You've heard of uh, Campus Crusades for Christ and that sort of a thing, right? Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Well, colleges also have Secular Student Alliances, the atheists and the antagonists. They have their groups as well. So this group went to that group and asked the leaders of these secular groups and said, what led you to becoming an atheist? There's a link in your study this week that, to this article. I cannot more highly recommend you do this. I mean this sincerely. Even if you don't do the other thing, please go read this article. 
It's very enlightening. I'm just going to give you some bullet points here. Ages 14 to 17 were very decisive. That goes along with the research that I had, uh, I was able to be involved with, where we found that 87, 88% of elementary, middle, high school kids, that's when they walked away from their faith mentally. 47% were high school. They stayed in the youth groups, they stayed in the Iwanas and all that kind of a thing, but mentally they were gone. Why? I'm going to let the research show you. These are the guys that grew up in the church. What? The leaders of the SSAs grew up in the church. Yes, they did. As a matter of fact, what caused them to walk away? The research that they did, they thought that they were going to see Richard Dawkins, Lawrence Krauss, the new atheist. Not one of them identified those guys as to why they walked away. What they identified was internet. You got a child that's struggling with anxiety and depression. The number one cause of anxiety and depression is the amount of time that they spend on the internet. There's a, one of the talks, if you download the app, you go to, you go to LFT, you'll see my picture, open it, boom, whose voice are we listening to? Documentation, it is the secular people that are telling us right now that this is what's destroying a generation. Three hours a day, three hours a day of internet time increases the probability of suicide. Big time. Three hours a day. Do you know what the average time is that they spend in media a day? 11 hours. Because they're multitasking. You know, I'm multitasking. I'm walking and talking. Uh-uh. They're talking, they're texting, they're driving, and they're watching a movie. And got music, okay? 11 hours of media jammed in a seven and a half hour day. It's a number one killer, man. Go watch that talk. It'll blow your minds. It's having an impact. This is what they said, these guys, the leaders of the secular groups. Church became all about ceremony, hand-holding, and kumbaya, Phil said. I miss my old youth pastor. He actually knew the Bible. This guy loved his youth pastor. Youth pastor, uh, just to read a quote to you, think about this. He said this. Jim's Bible studies particularly were meaningful to him. He admired the fact that Jim didn't dodge the tough questions or the, the tough chapters or the tough questions. He didn't always have satisfying answers or answers at all, but he didn't run away from the questions either. The way he taught the Bible made me feel smart. The lady that did the interview with him said, you know what, I was trying to remind myself, this guy is an atheist. He's not some kid that's going to seminary and, and, and telling why. He's telling you why he walked away from the Lord Jesus Christ. During his junior year of high school, the church, in an effort to attract more young people, wanted to teach Jim to teach less and play more. Jim disagreed, so Jim was dismissed. So they brought in Savannah, an attractive 20-something who didn't know a thing about the Bible, according to Phil. Got to have fun. And so what happened to the youth group? They grew, but they lost Phil. You cannot outfund the world, guys. If you think you can compare with a strip right now with all the stuff that they have to offer down there, you can't do it. What we can do, though, we can give truth. We can teach biblical application. Here's what was learned from all these kids growing up in the church that have walked away. Here's what they found. They had all attended church. Every one of them attended church. They didn't walk away from Islam. They didn't walk away from Buddhism. They walked away from Christianity. Why did they walk away? These students heard plenty. And this is, I know that this is going to offend some of you, and it's not my intention. This is just the facts. This, these students heard plenty of messages encouraging social justice, community involvement, and being good, but they seldom saw the relationship between that message and Jesus Christ and the Bible. We have got to teach application, not just memorization. You can learn all this great stuff, and then you walk out of here, and if you don't have any clue how to apply it in this world, which is nasty, you're done. 
It continues, okay? They felt the churches offered superficial answers to life difficult questions. Praise God you guys are doing this series. When our participants were asked what they found unconvincing about the Christian faith they spoke of, watch this. This is what they identified. Evolution versus creation, sexuality, reliability of the biblical text, text Jesus is the only way. By the way, if you get the app, go to debunk.org. Uh, Jesus is the only way. There's a debunk video up on that as well. That's why I did that first section, because it dealt with those two issues right there. And you better deal with that one as well. Some had gone to church hoping to find answers to these questions. I say this because this is what they identified, and my heart breaks because just within the last month, we do man-on-the-street interviews. We were in Georgia. Man-on-the-street interviews, just whoever comes up shows along. A young lady comes up. I'm not going to give you her real name, but I'm going to call her Grace. Grace comes up. She walked away from the church, doesn't read the Bible, doesn't have a clue, ardent believer in evolution, asked her point-blank questions about her worldview, cannot give an answer. Could not give an answer why she believed what she said she believed. Well, I was just raised that way. That was the answer. And at the end of us ask, asking her questions about how did you get life from non-life? How can you believe that? How, she's like, I feel stupid. I can't answer any, any of these questions. And I'm like, that's not our goal. We're not trying to do that. I want you to think, though. But then, after everything is done, we're finishing up. I want you to hear what grace dropped on us, man. Please listen carefully. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. I threw this, last night I was like, I gotta share this. I've never shown this. This is the first event that I've shown this at. Wait, and I, the thing is, I have to keep the word, but like, yeah. I like, I like grew up, I guess, an atheist. Now yeah. I'm like very like, agnostic. And I do like, yeah. I go to church. Like I am a worship leader there, but like, I, I have- <laughs> You're what? You're yeah. a worship leader? But the hard part is- I would never guess. Like, <laughs> the hard part is, it's like, I can't get myself to believe it, but I've been like, I've been looking for everything. And like, I've been looking for someone Dana? to explain it. She's a worship leader on staff at a mega church. And I'm not talking mega church. I'm talking mega, mega church, okay? And she's leading worship. How can you lead worship if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ? And by the way, by the way, I'm not attacking. My heart's breaking. Because do you see what she said? I've been looking for someone to explain it. Why did we just do this? Because I'm guaranteeing you that there is somebody sitting in this room next to somebody who doesn't have a clue. And they're like, why should I believe this stuff? It's an old, outdated book. There's no evidence to support this. There's no evidence to support this. I'm telling you that you're sitting next to somebody like that. And it's not your pastor's job to evangelize your community or your home. It's your job. But you can't talk about what you don't know about. you got to have answers why you believe what you say you believe. And just believing and not living tells you that you don't really believe. So guys, that's why I gave you the evidence part. But this is, you ready for the mind-blowing moment? This is the thing that just blew me out of the water on that research that was done. Without fail, the former church attending students they interviewed expressed respect for Christians who unashamedly embraced biblical teaching. You want to reach a generation that, oh, they don't care. Yes, they do. But they're sick of mamby-pamby. They're sick of watered-down, wishy-washy. They want someone that really believes what they're saying and is living it and doing it. And they respect it. Even, you know the comment that I get? Uh, I disagree with you, but you really, you believe it. I'm like, yes, I do. That's what we need in the body, man. People that are passionate about the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. This is another guy, Dartmouth. I really can't consider a Christian a good moral person if he isn't trying to convert me. Amen. Amen. So you know what I'm going to do here in my remaining time? 
If you're sitting in here and you don't know, know the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to try and convert you. You sang a song this morning that said, I am what? Who you say that I am. Who does he say that you are? You're a sinner. Every one of us are sinners. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us, our proper place before a holy God is on our face in the dirt. But that God loved us so much that while we were yet sinners, he did what? He came, he died on a cross. He shed his blood while we were spitting on him. He's dying on a cross for us. He picks us up out of the dirt, cleans us off, puts us in a row, puts a ring on our finger, and calls us his child. You can't do a thing to deserve that. You can't do anything to deserve that. That same God that said that he did that and demonstrated his love by dying on a cross for us spoke about Noah's flood as reality. He showed that there was a real decision, had real consequences, and guess what? Not only did he talk about the flood being real, he talked about a place that he has prepared for us being real. That's called heaven. And he wants us there. He doesn't want any to perish. So much so that he came and he died for us while we were spitting on him. But that same God also spoke of another place called hell. So here's the reality. How you answer this question is going to determine where you spend eternity. So, I can't change your mind. I can't convert you. But here's what I can do, is I can give you an opportunity to respond if the Holy Spirit is dealing with you. Because, guys, I've just learned. I remember so clearly, I was sitting in the church pew, and I knew the Holy Spirit was dealing with me. So you know it if it's happening to you right now. So here, here's how we're going to wrap it up. I'm not going to beg. I'm not going to keep going until somebody finally walks forward like, oh, let me go forward just to get this done with, right? <laughs> Please, stand up. Please, everybody stand up. And here's your opportunity. If the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, here's how you deal with it. You got some folks up here right now that you come up on, you grab a hand, you get a hug if you're into that thing. If they're not into hugging you, I will. <laughs> you come deal with it. You come deal with it. You can have a wonderful car sitting outside, but until I give you the keys, you're not driving that thing anywhere. And here's how you're going to get the keys. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Come on up here. If you, can't, if you can't walk forward here with a group that's going to love on you and encourage you, I'm telling you right now, you're not going to walk out those doors and deal with a culture that's going to come after you. 50 to 88% of the kids raised in the church gone by the time they're age 18. So there it is. Here's your opportunity. I told you, I'm not going to beg you. All right? Maybe there's someone that's sitting in here today that you're like, I'm a Christian and I've really been struggling, man. I haven't really, I've just kind of been superficial in my faith and I don't want that anymore and I need prayer. You got some people right here that want to pray with you. Come on up. Here's your opportunity. Come on up. No more superficial stuff. I want to be that light shining on the hill. Okay. All right. You're not going to walk forward? That's cool. doesn't mean anything unless the heart's right. It doesn't matter what you do. So maybe you're standing there and you're like, Carl, I do want prayer though. I'm really struggling with some issues. So if you've got that, please raise your hand just so I can... God sees the hand. God sees the, God sees the hand. Okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up my part with prayer here for you folks that have raised your hand specifically. Okay. I don't know you. I don't know your heart. I don't know what you're going through, but he does. And so all I can do is lift it up before you. So Father, I've given you everything I got. 
I thank you for this congregation who has come together like this and is loving you enough to hand out 10,000 Bibles, Lord, on the strip, who are taking 700 gifts to those that need to know you. They're obviously working and going, Lord, so I'm praying for them. But our Lord, we had some that raised their hands specifically saying that there's things that they need prayer for. You know their heart. You know their minds. You know everything that's going on better than I could ever. Even if they told me I couldn't know it, you could though. So Lord, I lift them up to you right now. I'm praying that even today you're going to do something very specific for them, that you're going to do something that makes it so apparent you heard this prayer and there's no other way that anything could have been done other than the fact that you did it. I pray for the church leadership. I thank you for uh, Pastor Derek. I thank you for Annie who is, what a gracious hostess, man. Lead, Lead me so that I don't get lost and just keeping everything on track. I lift this entire team up to you, Lord. And we're going to give you the praise. We're going to give you the honor because if there's anything that good that comes out of any of this, it's because of you. So be glorified, Lord. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.